if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today I'd like to introduce you to Hayley Chambers. I've known Hayley for quite a while and she does archery and I think the sport of archery is quite interesting and I think we're going to talk a bit about archery today. But before we get started, I just want to remind you about the mission of International Horse College. So at International Horse College, we have a mission to improve the welfare of horses around the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers. Have a look at the wide variety of online equine courses at internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now, Hayley, great to have you on. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, looking forward to it, and I think we've been trying to catch hold of you for a little while. I think the sport of archery is growing, so um, we have a bit of a chat about that. Now, Hayley, I didn't say anything beforehand. I probably should have given you the heads up, but a favourite quote. Have you got a favourite quote that you would say, you know, that or you find yourself saying when you're teaching again and again and again? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah I, I do, and that's probably not necessarily just horse archery related, although it comes into the horse archery down mm, the track. Mm. And my big quote that I like to say is, when you take away the equipment, you're left with the truth. Um, yes. So I'm a big believer in working with horses with as little stuff as possible. Yep. And you get a really true idea of what the horses think of what you're doing that way, as opposed to compelling them to stay with you the whole time. So, um, and a big part of the horse archery training that I do is horsemanship based as well. So, um, making sure the horses are in tune with you. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's lovely. You know, we have a few unbroken, unhandled horses, and obviously, you've got to confine them you know, to start yes. working with yeah. them because otherwise they'd be off, you know, we'd never see them again. Yeah, but, but it's lovely <laughs> to have a horse, you know, just in a big paddock where they could go off and do their own thing, but you're there with them and still working with them and they've made the choice to stay yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great saying. If you take away the equipment, you're left with the truth. Yeah. Now, Hayley, because you are a coach, you know, you've obviously come up, you've been a coach, you're a professional horse person, but the whole archery thing, you know, how did that start? Um, I was never really into archery um, initially. I was obviously always into coaching and horse training and that kind of stuff. Mm. And I saw a picture on Facebook one day of someone shooting a bow and arrow off a horse and instantly it attracted me. Yep. And I thought, yep, I'm going to do that one day. And um, I was really lucky enough to have a, a lovely friend in my life who you guys have interviewed before, John Downs. Yep, yep. And he was already my dressage coach. Yes. And I happened to mention to him one day, have you had anything to do with archery? And he's such a humble man. And he mm, sort of said, mm. oh, oh, a little bit. <laughs> and as it turns out, he um, he actually holds records still to this yep. day in Australia in the sport of target and field archery and hunting yeah. and um, so I managed to convince him to give me a couple of archery lessons and then, yeah, it was, you know, the rest of history. He um, took me under his wing with that as well um, and taught me pretty much everything I needed need mm, to know. Mm. He is very humble. One time I can remember he used to be in pentathlons, I think, and he said something about going for, oh, I'm a bit tired. I went for a training run down to Sydney. And I went, yes. what? Like, I was thinking he went down to Sydney to go for a training run. No, he rode his bike 
down yes. to Sydney. So, you know, from Brisbane to Sydney, what's that, yeah. a thousand miles? It's... He's a complete overachiever. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And then he came to me for um, jumping. You know, and he'd already been going to Lee Beerman for a few dressage lessons and she has a few school, yeah. you know, she's an FBI rider. And I said to I was trying to explain to him about, you know, riding between fences, riding grids, combinations, and you put, yeah. you know, count the strides. He goes, oh, yeah, like one-time changes. <laughs> so, went, oh, okay, yep, that's the one, that's the one, yep, yep. Well, he's the same with his archery as well, so he's, yes. um, he doesn't do it. I have, if he does so he does it to the nth degree. Yes. Um, I was really lucky to get coaching with him. And yep, he yep. taught me so much. Yes. So, yeah, once yep. I, um, and once I realised how important the ground skills were, just like horsemanship, mm-hmm. um, it was fun to shoot off the horse's back, but I really needed to go back to getting a lot of ground archery lessons and getting my style and my technique perfect on the ground first. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. But you're up to the stage now where you're teaching archery. Yeah, yeah, gosh. You know, tell us a little bit about that journey from just having the conversation with John, going through the process, learning and then teaching. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so um, John and I had always worked really well together and um, we'd always got along really well and had a good, healthy respect for each other's sort of skills. And... um, so after I'd been getting quite a number of lessons, I was lucky enough that he was coming every week mm-hmm. at that stage. So I was getting archery and dressage lessons every week, um, which definitely played a massive part as to how, you know, how I succeeded quickly in the sport. Yep. Um, having that good coaching and that good support, and he was really good with working out what equipment was best going to suit me and what have you. So I kind of got into it from that direction and we started running some clinics together, but I didn't teach the archery initially. I didn't feel that I knew enough. Mm-hmm. And especially being next to John, who'd had, you know, oodles of years of experience yep. in top-level archery, mm. um, it's very easy to feel a bit overwhelmed mm. um, around John. So I sort of taught the reinless riding and the horsemanship side of it and the desensitization of the bows and the arrows, and I let him teach the archery side. Yep. And then as time went on, um, I just learnt, I tried to listen to almost every lesson that he would give and I would I'd stand and watch a lot of his coaching and, and he would go through some coaching training with me with some other students. And, yeah, it kind of just progressed from there. So um, after a while, I sort of felt confident enough that, that I could I could coach it myself. And we also um, both invested in doing a, a horse archery coaches and instructors course mm-hmm. through a gentleman who is now a friend of ours He's in the US, and he was a, um, a big part of horse archery in the USA. Yep. And What's he his name? developed an instructor's course. Trey, uh, I can never pronounce his last name. It's Trey Schlitting, I think his last, okay. pronounce his last name. Yep, yep. So he's been on the USA team a number of times. He's competed at world championship level. Um, he's been to the masterships and um, really lovely gentleman, same as John. And when he came over to Australia the last couple of times, we ended up spending a lot of time with him and going through both going through our instructor's course with him. Um, so that we could become level two horse archery instructors yep. Um, yep. through the NHAA. So um, last time he came over, we hosted him for a, a clinic and a competition. We learnt from him as well because obviously he has that world knowledge. And he came from the same kind of background as John as well. He'd done a lot of ground archery mm-hmm. and was quite proficient at the ground archery and then incorporated the horses after that. Yep. So yep. Um, once I sort of got my qualifications and... You know, got my insurance, and yeah, then I started doing a lot of it on my own. But I still run a lot of clinics with John. I really value his knowledge, and um, I always learn something when I'm yes. around John. So yes. wherever I, whenever I can convince him to come back from his beautiful home out west, yes, um, to run a clinic with me, well, then, yeah. then we do we do that once or twice a year. Okay. 
Okay. Now, thinking about your whole overall career with horses, what percentage of it do you think is archery? Oh, it's such a small percentage, sadly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess but obviously growing. Sport. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's growing. It's one of the fastest um, growing equestrian sports in the world at mm-hmm, the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's growing overseas exponentially. You know, yeah. there's clubs popping up everywhere. Australia being Australia, you know, we're so far away from everything, and so we're always going to be slower to take on new sports. Mm-hmm. Although it's very fastly growing here, um, I would say most of the clinics that I run, I get anywhere up to sort of 10 to 12 participants, and 90% of them will end up buying equipment within that first couple of weeks after the clinic. And okay. I get oodles of messages of people asking me you know, where to buy equipment, where to buy bows and arrows, and how to get into the sport, and they're wanting to join the club. It's a very, very addictive sport. So mm-hmm. most people will tell you once they've shot a bow and arrow off a horse once, that's it, they're addicted. And we have people who um, very quickly dip their other disciplines to take yep. up horse archery. Yep. Um, but it's a great it's a great way to cross-train as well because the horses have got to learn self-carriage. They've got to go along with no rain contact. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't micromanage them. They've got to know how to do their job. Yep. So it also gets them very quiet because they've got to get used to the, the sounds of the bow and arrow and you're, you're leaning left or right to take your shot. Mm-hmm. He's sometimes taking back shots. So um, from a horsemanship point of view, it actually really helps. I find with my horses, it's made them better horses for other things because I don't just focus on the horse archery. Um, but as far as the percentage is concerned, you know, probably only maybe 20% of my business at the minute is horse archery. Okay. Um, it's definitely the part of the business that everybody takes notice of. Yes. Well, it's a bit different, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is a question that I often, you know, because we get, I mean, our whole podcast is about equine industry experts. You know, we want to focus on horse welfare and safety, but equine industry experts. So people who are working professionally either directly with horses or aligned in an industry with horses. And a big question we get is, what's the best thing about working with horses? Oh, um, I really think horses ground you a lot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're a true reflection of where you're at. Yep. And the more that I do this, the more that I'm in this industry, the more horses I work with and the more people I work with, the more I see that the the horses that have got some stuff going on or some problems, some emotional problems, it's usually related to the people, and whether that be previous owners or current owners, um, the more the people can learn to address their own stuff going on in their life, the better the horses go. And so there's such a, you know, it sounds a bit cliche, I suppose, but Mm -hmm. it's such Mm -hmm. such a reflection of where you're at. And if you can leave your baggage at the gate and go into the horses completely centred, then you get so much further with them. And I like the way that the horses are so honest in um, what they tell us. And especially the more sensitive horses, you have a real appreciation nowadays for the very sensitive horses that some people would say, you know, they're a bit spooky. Um, But they're usually the horses that'll tell you 100% wholeheartedly, honestly, where you're at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess especially horse archery is actually a a martial art. And when it's taught, we teach it with a lot of sort of the discipline of a martial art. Most people who've done martial arts will tell you how centred you've got to be, how you've got to be so much in control of yourself. And I I suppose that's probably what drew me to horse archery because I had my horsemanship background and I really loved working with horses and I liked working with them bridleless and, and bareback. And although I love my dressage, my show jumping, I want to be as subtle as possible when I'm communicating with them. And I guess the horse archery kind of just went hand in hand with all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so definitely 
what what you can learn from the horses. Every day I work with horses, I learn something. Whether yep. it's from yep. the, the owners or the horses themselves, you know, it's, every day is a bit different. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, you know, you can really appreciate each horse for its individual traits. You know, certainly I don't get hung up on one particular breed or type. Or, yeah, yeah, um, yep. I think they've all got something that they can, they can really teach us. Well, even within a breed or type, you know, you've always got the different personalities. Oh, yeah, hugely, yeah, hugely, yeah. and and learning how to adjust your methods and your techniques to suit each personality, mm-hmm. um, I think, is really important. I try not to get too stuck. I try to be very flexible in my approach. Yep, um, and it's the same as working with people. You know, you can't. Everyone learns a bit differently, mm. and so you've got to adjust your approach. And that keeps me on my toes, which is good. Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay. Now, thinking about, you know, the type of person who's thinking, will I have a career with horses or another one? What type of person do they need to be to start working with horses? Gosh, they've got to be a little bit resilient. Yes, okay. Um, both physically, mentally, emotional. Mm-hmm. It's not just a jump. You know, it's sometimes a labour of love. And anyone who works in the horse industry will tell you it's not always, um, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's hard times and there's especially, I guess, for anyone who's been in the industry in the last couple of years, the drought has affected them so harshly. Yep. Um, and feed prices and costs and, um, you know, that's been really hard and making hard decisions in times like that. And obviously our clients have been affected as well. So you've got to be a bit resilient. You've got to be able to stick up and not give up really easily. And that's even with the horses, you know, trying to stick to a, a set time frame just never really works. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be someone who can be flexible with your approach and flexible with the time frame and understand, you know, hopefully that the horse's welfare comes first. Yep. Um, but that's hard when you're dealing with horse owners. You know, they've got a budget mm-hmm. um, and they're trying to get results. And most horse trainers get into training or get into the horse industry because they love horses. Yes. And um, But you're still trying to make a living out of it. You're still mm-hmm. trying to pay mm-hmm. bills and um, pay your feed bills and therapy bills and all the rest of it. So yep. probably resilience is the biggest thing I can come up with at this point. Okay. I still okay. have a for it. I, I see too many trainers probably that you know, they go for a little bit too long and they, they lose a bit of passion. Mm-hmm. And I think as soon as you lose your passion, you run into some pretty dark ground um, when it comes to working with animals. So you've got to keep that alive and, and keep yourself interested with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's good. I think that, you know, you can sort of point out the reasons why you work with horses, but then the type of person, well, you know, the type of person you have to be, and if you are the type of person that can go through that, then it's just yeah, a very, very rewarding. get up when, they, when you get knocked down, I Yes, guess. yeah, and yeah. And it's, um, it's easy to get knocked down around horses and horse people and sort of get a bit disheartened, but mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, if you just – keep going back to why you started doing this in the first yes, place. Yes, You know, you really can't go wrong. No, no, that's right, that's right. I think that the highs are so much higher than anything else. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Look, the horse industry has been, me and John often say to each other how kind the horse industry has been to us. Yes. You know, we've met some of the most amazing people and mm-hmm. we're really lucky that we've attracted some really lovely, lovely people that have started off as clients and become friends. Yep. And, um... You know, as a general rule, you know, I hear people say sometimes, you know, the horse industry this or that, but uh, really it's been kinder to me than, than I, it's ever been, than it's ever been bad. Mm-hmm. I've, I've mm-hmm. got more more benefits out of the horse industry than, than ever. So, yep. Yep. Um, yeah. What about, you know, you've talked about John, you've talked about Trey. Anyone else that, yes. you know, you want to mention that's helped you within your career, helped you learn more about horses? 
Yeah, look, um, I mean, I think you learn from everybody. Mm-hmm. I've been really lucky to be surrounded by some other really good coaches and trainers in the past. Um, there's one gentleman in particular who I've had a lot to do with over the years by the name of Andy Thurlow, and most people wouldn't know his name unless they're into endurance. He was a very good endurance writer. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. What's his name? An- Anthony Thurlow. Barry Thurlow. Oh, Barry. Barry Thurlow. Okay. Yeah, Barry Thurlow. He's yeah. in his 70s now. And I got to know him through another student. And uh, he was a really good endurance rider, and he actually worked in the movie industry. He was training horses for movies and doing a bit of stunt work, and um, he trained a lot of different animals. And I learned a lot from him about horsemanship and and energy. Um, And he's one of those people that as soon as he goes near the animals, they all congregate to him. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just got a lovely energy around humans. And so he taught me a lot. So between probably him and John, I spent a lot of time with both those gentlemen. Yep. Um, Yep. And they're real gentlemen too, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's, I guess 21st century, you don't hear that a hell of a lot, but um, they're both real gentlemen mm-hmm. and they're very down to earth and don't take themselves too seriously, but definitely put the horse's welfare first. Yes. Um, so I was influenced a lot by those guys and I've done a lot of riding with both of those guys and um, Barry taught me a lot about uh, trick training and liberty training and that kind of stuff that he did in the movie industry. He did some pretty big productions so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he had a, a lot to, a lot of knowledge to pass on to me, so I was very, very lucky. And, and to this day, I still call them, you know, two of my best friends. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has there been a particular horse that stands out amongst others? You know, you've worked Absolutely. with quite a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who's that? Tell us a little bit about that particular horse and your proudest moment. Um, so I have a horse by the name of Jack Crackers. Yep. Who um, I bought as a very, very cheap project horse many, many, many years ago. And he had half a tail, and I was sure his tail would grow, and it never did. <laughs> um, but what he lacks in his tail, he makes up for in a massive personality. And um, I was told he was a stock or starbred when I bought him, but he was actually an Arab cross. <laughs> and it was very obvious when we got him out him, you know, okay. the, way, the way he carried on. And he was a very, very hard, highly strung, highly reactive, um, I guess that spooky horse, that nervous horse. Yep. And a real brain mm-hmm, and still mm-hmm. to this day one of the smartest horses I've ever worked with. And I work with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of horses every year, but he's still still right up the top of the list. Um, and it took me a really long time to learn to adjust my methods for him. I'd always been sort of taught about pressure release training, um, yep. which you know, in the equitation science world, what now we call negative reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd done a lot of horsemanship sort of stuff like that. Um, Jats Crackers was one of those horses that you could put as much or as little pressure on him as you wanted, but if he didn't want to do something, he wouldn't do it. Okay. And all the methods I'd been taught in the past just didn't work for him. So uh-huh. 
I'd done a little bit of clicker training and positive reinforcement training with dogs. Mm-hmm. I came for I had a dabbling in a bit of positive reinforcement training with that horse, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. he took to it like a duck to water. Yep. Because as far as he was concerned, it was still his decision. He was choosing to do something because I was paying him some food. Yeah. And so that kind of started my journey into positive reinforcement and equitation science world. Yep. Um, and I'm really lucky. I've had a lot to do with other trainers who have worked with multiple other types of animals, exotic species and um, you know wild animals and other domestic animals, dogs and cats and birds and what have you. And I've learnt now that so many of those techniques are relevant to horses as well. So although the horse industry hasn't fully embraced it, slowly as the equitation science world is developing, we're getting more evidence and research. Um, they're starting to show that that is actually one of the most ethical ways to train with animals. Yep. And um, horses are no different. And that horse wholeheartedly taught me that. <laughs> I had no choice mm-hmm. but to learn with him. So um, mm-hmm. he ended up being my, one of my best trick horses, best liberty horse. I did a lot of demonstration work and stuff with him. Um, but he was one of those horses that in the early days he was like a kite on the end of the lead. Yes, yes, and, um, okay. I used to say everyone would look at us for the wrong reasons, <laughs> but as time went on, people would start to look at us for the right reasons. So, um, And he absolutely taught me resilience. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> many a day that I, I could have ended up in tears and, yep, and thought, oh, my yep, God, yep. what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I think it, it changes, doesn't it? You know, you sort of go through a stage maybe where you're saying, okay, this horse is this and this horse is this, and you yeah. you almost dictate their behaviour, but then it almost comes to you and you go, what is it you're trying to tell me? And when you start to listen from the horse's point of view, Absolutely. what are they trying to tell me? There's so much more can be achieved. Usually. Yep. Yep. Hugely. Yep. And if we can if we can look at each thing that's going on with each horse and yes. instead of laying blame or getting upset yep. or getting frustrated, yep. if you actually sit down and go, Why? Yes. Where's this coming yes. from? What's your goal? What's yep. up what's yep. upsetting you? How are you mm. feeling? Mm. Um and horses you know, I've and there's no science behind this, but horses can absolutely tell if your heart's in the right place to try and help them. Yep. If it's yep. all about your agenda, yep. constantly your agenda eventually you'll come unstuck. Yeah. So if you can try to get them to feel like it's, they've got a little bit of choice in the outcome and they've got mm-hmm. um, they've got a bit of prediction about what's going to happen and, and that it's going to be good and not bad and that they can control their outcome a bit, um, the, uh, you know, the results you get down the track are hugely different, hugely different yeah. than just trying to shut them down and, and make for an obedient horse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I always say to people, you know, if you just want something that never asks questions and does exactly what it's told and is hugely obedient, get a motorbike. Yes. It's much easier. Yes, yes that's right. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, one of those horses, I think part of the, the joy in working with them is that they don't always say wholeheartedly yes. They sometimes ask questions and they say, why? Why should I do that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's our goal as riders and trainers to show them why that's a good idea. Yep. And build our skills up enough to encourage them and have that communication so that, yeah, the end result is absolutely what the human wants, mm-hmm. but it also becomes what the horse wants. And um, rather than just a dictatorship. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that horse taught me a huge amount. <laughs> That's good. 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 I, I'm just thinking, you know, about challenges and the sport of archery. And I always say money aside because that's always a problem. You and John, you've had a big hand in growing the sport, but what's been your biggest challenge in growing the sport of horse archery? Oh, gosh, the biggest challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, probably a lot of it is 
getting this sport out there and getting people to realise that anyone is capable of doing it. Okay. So like awareness. Yeah, yeah awareness. And I think a lot of people see, you know, some of the pictures and the videos where people are galloping along shooting the bows oh, okay. and arrows and yep. you know, that top level. It's a bit like watching Grand Prix dressage. Yep. A grade show jumping. If you only thought that was the only way that you could do it, you wouldn't be encouraged. And I guess for some people, they have this vision that, oh, I'm going to drop the reins and my horse is going to go crazy and um, I'll have no control and there's no way in the world I could shoot a bow and arrow off the horse's back. And um, getting people to understand that any horse is capable of this sport, any rider is capable of this sport. I mean, before I got into horse archery, I hadn't picked up a bow and arrow. Um, mm-hmm. It's certainly not a, a, a traditional bow and arrow. I didn't know anything about archery. You know, I knew roughly where you point the pointy end at the target. Yep. <laughs> you yep. pull a bit of string back and you hope for the best. So um, in a very short time, although I've trained a lot, I got a long way. And mm-hmm. um, so I think, yeah, just awareness and getting people to realize that it is something that they can do and it's something that they can achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of people who go, oh, no, I could never do that. I could yep, never drop yep. the reins on this horse or I could never do this. And when it's trained properly and safely and we have a very structured step-by-step process we go through, um, it's actually a very safe sport. Okay. It, but it's got to be done properly. You mm-hmm. know, it's like mm-hmm. anything. If you suddenly started throwing kids at a 80-centimetre cross-country course that have never jumped before, yeah. well, then they're going to run into problems. And so um, the safety part of it absolutely comes first. Okay. Um, and first and foremost – once you realise how safe it is and that they can achieve it. And they don't ever have to gallop and canter if they don't want to. They can stay to walk on a trot, like like prelim and prep dressage, you know. Some people will stay at the lower levels for a long time, and that's what they're happy to do. That's their hobby. Mm, mm. I'm sure there's another complete podcast on how to build confidence through horse archery. You know, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure, yeah. because I, yeah. I know that yeah. it's, it's a good confidence building. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%, 100%. I'll just get you to come back and do that again another time if that's okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no worries. (laughs) All right. Now, thinking about, because you've talked, and a lot of it was mindset, I think. You know, I can't do that. It's going to be too hard. So so thinking about the common fault with people getting into Archer, and we talked about the mindset, what about a technical fault? Have you got one, a technical fault that you could give us? What's something common? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um. Probably the biggest problem I see in horse archery at the moment, and I say this at every one of my clinics, mm. in an ideal world, we would teach the ground archery for a lot longer. Okay. Um, and we would get their technique and their style perfect mm-hmm. before we would get them shooting off the back of the horse. Yep. And unfortunately, in Australia, um, you know, we're, and I guess in the world, we're a bit of a bush society. Mm. And especially in Australia, people want to go and give it a go. Yes. And it's a bit of a catch-22 at the minute. The sooner I get a student up on a horse's back shooting, the sooner they get addicted, mm. and they're more likely to take the sport. Okay. However, the risk I run is that they they lose their technique up under saddle mm-hmm. if they start under saddle too soon. So um, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place, to be honest. Yeah. From a technical yeah. point of view, the archery technique stuff can take months and months and months to get perfect, years, years to get perfect, mm-hmm. um, just like horse riding. But most people come to us as uh, riders that have never mm. done the archery. It's very rarely we get someone who's done a lot of archery and they're getting into the riding. Mm-hmm. But the sooner I get them to shoot off the horse's back, the sooner they get that buzz. Okay. But they also lose a lot of their ground technique. <laughs> 
<laughs> I start to cringe when I see them shooting. I think, oh, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, if I can get them into the sport, then they generally seek more coaching and they generally want to get a bit more help. And um, they, the problem is they feel so much success shooting off the back of a horse. And in one day, in a one-day clinic, I can get 99.9% of people on the back of their own horse shooting at a walk and hitting the target. Okay. And that's usually the goal because we want them to feel that bit of success, you know, feel that and that confidence and go, wow, this is awesome. Um, but again, a lot of them will go away and they will train a lot on their own. Mm-hmm. And um, any sport, if you're training on your own too much, you tend to develop bad habits and then you practice yep. bad habits. Yep. And so I don't see them then for two or three months and they've developed a lot of bad habits. And mm-hmm. we, you know, you asked before about the challenge of the sport. One of the challenges is we do not have enough horse archery qualified, experienced horse archery coaches in Australia. Okay. And that's something we're trying to rectify at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more coaches we can get, it's a bit like dressage and show jumping and a lot of other riding sports, Western and what have you, there's a lot of coaches. Yeah. So it's, it's very accessible for people to learn. At mm-hmm. the moment, there's very little coaches in Australia and it's um, probably the, the biggest thing stopping the sport from growing as big as what it probably could be. Okay. Okay. So that's, I suppose, someone, if they're already a coach and they're already teaching, then to say, yes. right, and I'm going to teach archery as well, as yes. well as that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, and I've got, a, I've got a list of people sitting <laughs> there going, come on, when can we do an archery course? Yep. Um, yep. yep. And we've sort of been in talks with Archery Australia and um, just trying to get something off the ground in the next few years so that we can get more coaches because the only way this sport will grow is with more coaching. And I can't be everywhere every weekend, nor yes. can John and nor yes. can, you know, the other horse archery coaches that we've got in Australia. Yep. And I regularly get, you know, messages. I get messages from pony clubs every week. I get yeah. messages from riding clubs all wanting, all over Australia wanting me to come and coach, and I just can't fit it in. I, just, yep. I cannot stretch myself that much. So mm-hmm. um, there's potentially thousands of great little horse archers out there um, who could be going to world level who yes. just aren't, they don't have the accessibility to try it out. And it's actually a very cheap sport to get into. Um, you know, anyone who's into horses, the horse part in horse archery is the expensive part. Yeah. The archery part is the cheap part. So for as little as two or $300, you can set yourself up with a good bow, good set of arrows, you know, protective equipment and a target. Um, so that's the cheap part. So if we just get the coaches out there, we'll, we'll have a chance to grow a lot. A lot faster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what you think's holding it back at the moment is more awareness, more coaches. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The more that that can that can change, you know. And, um, yeah, me and John and um, you know, we've been in talks and we've all agreed that the the thing holding us Australia back with horse archery is coaches. And mm-hmm. at the moment, over in the states and in Europe, there's a lot more people coaching. Yep. There's a lot more clinics going on. It's a lot more accessible. So more people are able to get into it and start okay. their journey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully the listeners for this podcast will spread the word and uh, get it out yes. there. And... Yes, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So if they need to contact you, Hayley, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, um, either on the um, website, which is www.appacequines.com or uh, via the Facebook page um, is another option. Um, so, so the Facebook page is Outback Equines as well. Yeah, the Facebook page yep. is. Um, yeah, they just look up Outback Equines. Yep. And from the horse archery side of things, we have some horse archery groups as well. 
which we put a lot of videos into and um, a lot of, you know, information on equipment and that kind of stuff. And everyone has some really great discussions in there. It's a really supportive, amazingly fun community. Um, So that's, you know, that's been really good to develop those networks. And those details will be available on horsechats.com slash Hayley Chambers. But just go to horsechats.com, search for Hayley, search for Chambers, and probably search for archery and you'll probably find it as well. Yeah. Super. Hayley, this has been good. I'm Yeah, I'm really looking forward to spreading the word for you. But also, too, I think Thank there's, you. <laughs> there's a certain niche of people that would like to do a sport but have the confidence to do it. And I think, um, you know, particularly you start talking about safe methods and you're not just going to throw people out on a galloping horse to, um, (laughs) you know, to do the archery. I'll tell you, I was in Japan a couple of years ago and I remember being in Tokyo and they had a a horse, um, oh, it was like a big show and they had people who were archers, I think, but not horse people. And they would put them at one end under a tree they would gallop, they would probably get three out of three targets and then as yes. the horse goes, everyone's there stopping the horse, waving their arms and the horse yes. just props and goes prop, prop, prop. The person falls off and then... Oh, dear. Like just about all the riders fell off at the end of it. I thought this is, this is horrific. This is, you know, put the horse on a circle and let them slow down a little bit themselves. I know. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm and very glad. there's a real glad. cultural tradition in yeah. Japan for horse archery and what they call yabusami. Um, uh-huh. So, and a lot of other countries have history of horse archery yeah. know, from a warfare point of view. So Australia's, I guess Australia not having that history, it's a little bit harder for us to get this off the ground as well. Um, yes, yes, but at least we learn how to ride the horse first before we <laughs> we're absolutely. just on the horse and absolutely. everyone falls off. I, yes. Me, me and John pride ourselves on a very high safety riding uh, rating <laughs> and very little people, I think I could count on one, I think I had one person come off and it was because she didn't tighten her girth and she didn't have a bow in her hand. Yes, um, yes, yes. So otherwise yeah. I've got a very good safety rating and I'd like to keep it that way. Thank yep, you very much. Yep. All right, well, look, I'm looking forward to getting you back and talking to you about, you know, building confidence through horse archery because I think that's, um, that's going to be a really good good one for people who are just looking you know not just to build confidence for themselves but they might know of someone that wants to build their confidence or coaches that might have a listen and say oh maybe I might give Hayley a call and chat to her about becoming a horse archery coach awesome yeah yeah Hayley great to talk to you and um yep looking looking forward to the next one okay yes likewise thank you so much awesome thank you If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.